Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. Swing and a fly to right and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and gone! For Eric Thames, and he strikes again. This is Brewers on Tap. Jamie's wheels and deals struck him out swinging. Now it's time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Hello and welcome to episode number 85 of Brewers on Tap. I am Lane Grindle, your host. Coming to you from Zebulon, North Carolina, where the Carolina Mudcats call their home here at Five County Stadium. I had a chance to walk around, check out the stadium over the last couple of days. This is a cool place, has a lot of character, and if you are a Brewers fan, if you're a minor league baseball fan, you need to come check out the Brewers' newest high A affiliate, the Carolina Mudcats. Really cool hospitality from the crew. We thank them very much, Greg Young and everybody, manager Joe Arald, for having us out here uh, to check out a doubleheader on Tuesday night for the Carolina Mudcats, and they swept it. They're playing great baseball right now, but more on that coming up in a little bit. Let's talk about the crew. The Brewers are 4-3 over the past week with a couple of wins over the Mets on the road, and then coming back for the homestand, one win over the Dodgers, and then so far one win over the Giants in the middle of this four-game series with San Francisco. It's been a dramatic week with plenty of news too, so let's get right into it. On the news and notes front, the Brewers announced the completion of the Tyler Thornburg-Travis Shaw trade as the Red Sox sent 18-year-old middle infielder Yason Coca to complete the deal on Monday. So now the deal looks like this. Travis Shaw, Brewers third baseman, all-star candidate, the centerpiece of the trade, but also Mauricio Dubon came over in that trade. He's having a big-time year in double-A with Biloxi, could be named an all-star soon. Also, Josh Pennington, the big arm, the big right-handed arm, and now Yason Coca, who lands just outside of the very talented Brewers' top 30, according to MLB Pipeline, but he'll likely find himself on that list eventually once guys graduate from it. Matt Garza suffered an injury when he collided with Jesus Aguilar at first base against the Dodgers on Saturday. He's not going to make his next start on Thursday. No official word yet on who will make that start. We'll get that for you, though, soon. And the Brewers still in first place, sitting at 31 and 28. Brewers battled in New York last week to split the series with the Mets. Eric Thames got back on the home run train after a little bit of a drought. Here he comes, and Thames sends one to right and deep. Get up! Get out of here! Gone for Eric Thames! And the Brewers grab the lead. Lead off walk, Sogard. And then Eric Thames finally hits one to give the Brewers the lead. Been a long time for him. That's his third hit in the last couple of days. Then Chase Sanderson once again brilliant as the Brewers would win the Thursday afternoon getaway game with the Mets by a final of 2-1. to one. Friday and Saturday saw the Brewers lose nine inning leads and eventually drop heartbreakers to the Dodgers. But Sunday, good bounce back as Domingo Santana and the crew continued to enjoy Miller Swing Park. Swing and a drive in the left center and deep. Get up. Get out of here and gone. Wow. Santana strikes again. Monday was a late-inning loss to the Giants, but it featured the MLB debut of Brett Phillips, who's been called up due to Travis Shaw being on the paternity list. Phillips didn't have to wait long to collect his first major league Here hit. comes Samarja. 
Phillips bounces one back up the middle. There it is, his first big league hit. Leadoff single for Brett Phillips. First game for him as a big leaguer and against a tough right-hander in Jeff Samarja. And on Tuesday night, Chase Anderson continued his dominant ways, throwing seven and two-thirds innings of scoreless baseball. He's now in the midst of 21 and two-thirds consecutive scoreless innings on the mound, and the Brewers win that one five to two. So it's been a good week for the Brewers, continuing to play good baseball. They're getting unbelievable starting pitching on the mound. They've lost a couple of leads late but uh, still doing some good things offensively as well. All right, let's chat with the general manager as we break it down. Let's break it down. Welcome to Brewers on Tap. This is the monthly installment of the David Stern Show and the first place Brewers uh, rolling along. This has been a really fun first couple of months to the season. You've been quick to say it is the first couple of months, but certainly you have to be really pleased with the way guys have performed so far. And, and some of the guys that you added to this club that have just surged, like a Travis Shaw. Yep. Eric Thames has obviously had some big moments this season as well. Um, this is how you envisioned it when you put this team together. Certainly we're pleased with how this group has come together. It's, it's a young group, and whenever you put a young group together, you're never entirely sure how long it's going to take to, to gel and to mesh. But uh, really from the outset of spring training, this is a group that uh, has worked very well together. It's something that our coaching staff has commented on from the moment we showed up in Maryvale, that this is a group that enjoys being together. We, saw, we see that just hanging out in the clubhouse. We see uh, that these guys enjoy each other's company, and, and sometimes that does translate to the field. In addition, we have some guys who are really talented, and, and yeah. they're beginning to put those skills uh, together. We, we know there are going to be ebbs and flows to this process, but uh, a couple months into the season, I'm certainly pleased with the types of progression that we've seen from a number of our players. When you talk about cohesiveness, and this clubhouse certainly has that, as you just mentioned, is it maybe more evident when you see the way this team bounces back after a tough loss, uh, extra inning loss in New York City, yep. bounce back, win the next two, and, and win the, the, the one after the extra inning game in really resounding fashion? That's kind of a trend with this team right now. It seems to be something that might have to do with that cohesiveness, I think. I think it is. I think we have players who and, and certainly a coaching staff that recognizes this is a long season yeah. and um, it's okay for us to be upset after a loss it's okay for for everyone to feel down after a loss uh, but the next morning when you show up at the ballpark everyone needs to recognize that's a new day a new challenge uh, and everyone has a job to do and to this point everyone has done a really nice job of turning the page the next day jumping back out there and really doing a nice job that series in new york was a, a great demonstration of that a couple tough losses to open the series and then bouncing back really nicely uh, to, to split the series in, in a tough environment to play in. If there was one thing you wanted to see early in the year, it was maybe the starting pitching go deeper into games. Not that you weren't getting some good starts, but maybe eat some more innings, not ask so much out of that bullpen, and you're starting to see more of that. Chase Anderson, his last couple of starts yep. have been, has been absolutely brilliant. Jimmy Nelson's starting to go a little bit deeper. And I think just adding Junior Guerra to the rotation has stabilized things from that standpoint, too. I, I would agree. And we forgot that we took our opening day starter out right. of our out of our rotation three innings into the season, and uh, that's not easy to do, and that's not easy for any team to overcome. But as a whole, our staff has done a really nice job of moving 
the games forward, getting them into our bullpen generally in competitive type situations. And that's really what we're asking of them. And then now a little bit later into the season, we're seeing guys taking the next step, going a little bit deeper into games. Chase Anderson, the last two times out, clearly has been a great example of that. And from a bullpen standpoint, Corey Knable has blossomed into one of the most dominant relievers in the game. Um, yep. I mean, it's, it's really amazing when you see him take the mound right now. The confidence that he has, uh, what his curveball is doing, I think, is really the key. I mean, obviously, he's had good command of this fastball, and anytime you can put 99 on the black, you're going to have success. Yep. But it seems like the curveball is what's taken him to the next level. He maybe didn't have this type of curveball and command of it right. a year ago. I think the, the curveball command is really the key, and he has confidence to throw it for strikes whenever he wants. He has confidence to bury it whenever he wants. He knows what he's doing when he's throwing it, and he's throwing it in the right situations. And you add that to a high 90s fastball that's shown plus command throughout the, the first couple of months of the season, and uh, it's an exciting combination. You're right. He really has elevated himself to the point where he's in this upper echelon of relief pitchers throughout the game, and that's a great advantage for us to have. Um, he, he gives you a great deal of comfort there in the back end, and um, it's exciting for us. When you look at some of the recent surges at the plate, Domingo Santana, Orlando Arce, a couple of great examples of guys that are surging right now at the plate. And, and we'll start with Domingo. It seems like his up-the-middle approach has gone to another level. If you just look at the numbers, uh, yep. he's, he's hitting the ball up the middle about 7% more than he was in the month of April, and he's had a, he had a big month of May as a result of it. It seems like that was one of the big keys for him. Up the middle, opposite way. Yeah. Domingo has always demonstrated this opposite field power. That's one of the reasons we're so excited to see him hit in Miller Park as the ball travels that mm -hmm. way out to right center field, and it's something that Domingo's really good at doing. And so keeping him up the middle, opposite way, Darnell Coles does a great job of it, constantly preaching that. Uh, he's got plenty of power. He can get it out to, to all sides of the ballpark, and um, keeping a little bit of a shorter, compact, up the middle swing uh, gives him a little bit more of an advantage. But he had a tremendous month of May. Obviously, when you add that type of quality bat right in the middle of our order to complement Travis Shaw and Thames and Ryan Braun when he's been in there, uh, it just makes our lineup even deeper. And Orlando Arcia is in the midst of a, a hitting streak, and, and that is opposite way. I mean, he's going to right field consistently now and, and clearly paying off for him. Uh, this is a young man that I think we all know what he can do defensively, but if he can get to that 250-265 range at the plate, hitting down in your lineup, that's that's a tremendous thing to balance out the offensive lineup for you, too. It is, and we're, we're just what we're seeing is the development of a talented player, and sometimes when players come up, we want them to hit 300 immediately, yeah. and we, we want them to be impact players on both sides of the ball immediately, but uh, that's often not the reality, and it's not how, how baseball works. There is an adjustment at the major league level. Most players take a little bit of time to go through that, and Orlando has had some adjustment periods. He is making uh, changes at the plate. So we, we've, we've seen that. It's both an approach and somewhat mechanics. Um, and it's paying off for him. And he's going to continue to need to work through that offensively. He's a very confident, very skilled defensive player. And so his continued developmental growth is going to have to come on the offensive side of the ball. Jonathan VR had a monster year in 2016. It's been a slow start to 2017. Jonathan would be the first person to tell you that. Um, and you want to be patient with him. He's a young player with a lot of development left in him still, too. And we forget about that. But you do have another guy in Eric Sogard who's really stepped up. He's getting on base. He doesn't strike out. Um, really fits the top of this lineup very, very well. Is that going to be a nice thing for Craig Council to have? Because he can maybe let VR sit a little bit and rest his mind here and there, pick his spots. Plus, Sogard's 
versatile, so you can move yep. him around a little bit if you need to to continue to get him at, at bats. How can that benefit Jonathan VR moving forward, I guess is the question, versus making him press to find ways to get on the field just because Sogard's playing so well? Well, it's always, it, it's always nice to have options, and having someone like Sogard on your bench who can play a number of different positions, it, it gives you flexibility similar to what Hernan Perez does yeah. for us. He, he can play all over the place. And, uh, this gives Craig the ability to rest Jonathan when we think it's best to rest him, when the matchups don't, uh, don't uh, provide what we think is an advantageous matchup, and, and put someone like Sogard in the lineup who has the ability to get on base at the top of the lineup, and he's done an outstanding job of it. I think overall we believe in Johnny. We believe yeah. that Jonathan VR is going to be uh, a good major league player. What we saw last year um, was an elite major league player, and, and so we know that's in there. He's clearly gone through a really rough two months, and I think he knows that. Uh, I, I'm sure uh, he's doing everything he can and, and to some extent pressing uh, to, to, to get back to that level. Um, it's not easy for a young player to have the type of success that he had last year and then go through the type of struggles he's going through this year. So we'll try to put him in, in the best situation possible um, to get out of this funk, and we believe he will. David Stearns is joining us. It's our monthly installment of the General Manager Show. Brewers in first place right now in the NL Central and uh, in the midst of a series against the Los Angeles Dodgers here at Miller Park. David, um, you, you, we talked about Sogard and his development and Aaron Perez and the versatility that he gives you. Keon Broxton um, is, is another guy that is starting to, to get it going a little bit. We're seeing that power from him uh, as well. And uh, that, again, just now you have power pretty much throughout this lineup when you put yep. a guy like Keon Broxton, you get him going a little bit too. And that's, that's one of the goals of this lineup is to have guys one through nine who can do damage. Um, and Keon's a big part of that, whether he's up at the top of the lineup or down towards the bottom. Uh, he can change the game with one swing. Yeah. We, we have a lot of guys who are able to do that. Keon's an, a tremendously athletic player. We saw that when he gets going, he can really carry a team. He did that over the last month for us last year. And we've seen periods of that this year as well. So certainly pleased with the overall performance that we've seen from Keon. From an injury standpoint, you have Ryan Braun currently on the disabled list. And then you have Eric Thames, who hasn't gone on the disabled list. But managing his legs is going to be a challenge that probably is going to continue throughout the year. Yep. And, and I think everybody's still trying to find the right formula for him. Certainly, once he started to get his legs back, now he's starting to hit the baseball again and drive the baseball again a little bit more consistently. Is that, is that accurate? Is that just something you guys are going to have to learn by trial by error over the course of this season to kind of figure out what the right mix is for Eric Thames to keep him at his peak? Probably learning on, on both sides. It's, it's yeah. us learning Eric a little bit and, and understanding how much rest he needs, um, what, how his body responds to certain patterns in the schedule. Um, it's also Eric learning about the Major League season again. Yeah. It's been a couple of years since he's experienced the grind of the Major League season. Uh, clearly, he played regularly in Korea, but it's a different type of atmosphere over there with different travel and different playing schedules. So I think it's a mutual learning experience. Uh, we'll, we'll certainly be able to manage him better going forward, and, and I think Eric will also be able to manage himself a little bit better going forward in terms of making sure he's, he's healthy on a daily basis. And uh, we know we're going to be banged up over the course of the season. Every, every team has injury issues. We're no different. Um, but I'm really pleased with how our guys have handled them so far. You are a, at the early point in June, so no decisions have to be made right now. But, but internally, it's a little different situation than you were in a year ago, where you pretty much knew you were going to have some pieces to move at the trade deadline. How are you managing that whole situation right now, and, and, and how will the next month or so define what the Brewers are when the yep. deadline comes around? 
you know, it really doesn't change our, our approach internally uh, all that much. Obviously, we have scouting coverage of all of yeah. baseball. Um, our guys are still out there doing, doing their jobs, and we'll need that coverage uh, regardless of what our, our plan is heading into July and late July. Um, and I'm not sure that every team necessarily needs to declare whether they're right. a buyer or a seller, yeah. I think. And, and frankly, I think going forward, I'm not sure we're ever going to be a team that's going to be definitively a buyer, definitively right. a seller. I think we're, we're a team that's going to be looking to make smart moves for our organization, um, moves that hopefully can help our organization both near-term and long-term. Uh, and if there are those types of uh, moves available at the deadline, we're certainly going to consider them. We've seen teams in the past that will add and subtract at yep. the same time depending upon control and things of that nature because they feel like it's the best long-term thing for them to do and it might be able to help them in the short term too or vice versa. And it doesn't feel like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, guys were getting moved with multiple years of control left. It was just literally a two-month rental was yeah. kind of what you talked about. There's more guys that now seem to be available that have some control, so you don't have to feel like you're totally mortgaging the future if you if you do make moves like that in the future. I think that's right. I think that's uh, something we'll look at as, as we get closer to having those types of discussions or what players are available that could potentially help us for years to come. And, and um, our goal, as we've stated many times, is to create an organization that's going <laughs> to yep. compete consistently year in and year out. And if we can uh, acquire players, whether it's at the deadline or the offseason or any time during the season, that help us meet that goal, we're certainly going to look into it. Well, and the other thing that should probably be brought up is that this is one of the deepest farm systems in baseball, and you have a handful of guys at the AAA level that could help too. I mean, you, yep. could, you could help this team with some arms that are at the AAA level potentially as you get no further question. on down the road. And so th those are options too. It's not just adding from outside the organization. That, that's right. We, we have the ability to potentially add internally. Um, at some point this season when we think the development of some guys in AAA are ready. Uh, we also have Ryan Braun currently on yeah. the disabled list and, and really hasn't been able to contribute much over the past month. And so at some point, adding him back uh, into the, our lineup is about as good as a, of an acquisition as you can possibly get in baseball midseason. So um, we, we certainly feel comfortable with our internal uh, alternatives and, and, and our internal depth. David Stearns is with us here. It's our monthly conversation with the general manager. Let's talk real quick about the minor leagues. I want to get your thoughts. A lot of success in wins and losses mm -hmm. going on in, in the minor leagues. Um, Colorado Springs still off to that great start, hitting the baseball very well. And uh, there's been some nice pitching performances there. Brandon Woodruff has put together a nice, strong start to the year. Uh, Josh Hader is still kind of working through some of those things that you guys are having him work on with some of his secondary stuff. But... He has put together some good individual performances, too. Maybe just the consistency still trying to get there. And then, of course, the outfield situation in Colorado Springs is, is, is a great problem to have with all yeah. those guys performing so well. You have to feel really good about how those guys have come out of the gate in 2017. We do, and, and it's, it's always nice when you have waves of prospects coming, and that's where we think we're getting to as an organization. We have some work to do still, but uh, we, we have improved our depth throughout from AAA all the way down to rookie ball. Uh, those guys at AAA obviously make the most noise because they're the closest to the major leagues, and so we read about them the most. And uh, frankly, all of them have gotten off to tremendous starts yeah. to this season, whether you're talking about the outfielders or some of those pitchers. Um, other guys down there like Garrett Cooper have very mm -hmm. quietly had tremendous first two yeah. months of the season and, and uh, deserve to be noticed as well. So it's a fun, it's a fun group. Um, it, it's fun to read those game reports every day. It's fun to go out and see them play. And 
uh, a lot of them are going to be able to impact us in Milwaukee at some point in the future. This is kind of the time of year where you start to see a lot of promotions within the minor league ranks. We've already seen Corbin Burns get promoted to Double A Biloxi. Trey Supak has been moved up from Wisconsin to Carolina. Do, do you anticipate we're going to see some more promotions over the next month or so with some of the different prospects that are performing well? I imagine we, we, we will at some point during the season. Tom Flanagan and his staff do a great job of mapping all that out. There's yeah. a lot that goes into prospect promotions from one level to another. Um, a lot of it sometimes can occur near the end of the first half of the minor league season, and we are approaching that time. Um, but I know Tom is, is working hard with his group and all the coaches to, to map all of that out, and, um, and we'll see where it heads. But uh, you know, we, we, we stress that when a prospect is ready for promotion, we're going to get them to the next level. But we're also not going to rush anyone. Right. And, and we want to see our players truly master the level that they're at before we get them moving. And um, we have some guys who are close to them. We probably also have some guys who are going to need a little bit more time. Checking in on the farm. Going into Tuesday night's action, the Colorado Springs Sky Sox, 32-22 and 22 and still sitting in first in the American Northern Division of the Pacific Coast League. Nice performance from Lewis Brinson on Monday night. He went three for five with a couple of runs. He drove in three for the Sky Sox, still hitting well. Over 300 is Lewis Brinson. Kyle Wren continuing to do good, do good things. Three for five with a couple of runs and a double for him on Monday night as well. Double-A Biloxi, the Shuckers are at 30-27. and 27. They sit in second place in the South Division of the Southern League. Bubba Derby took a loss on Monday night, and it was a tough loss because he took a no-hitter into the seventh inning. He ended up allowing one run on two hits and nine strikeouts, and they lost 4-2 to two to the Mississippi Braves. Mauricio Dubon, by the way, another hit. He just continues to roll along. He now has set a Shuckers record with 26 stolen bases on the season. Class A advanced Carolina sitting at 32-26 and after their doubleheader sweep on Tuesday night at Five County Stadium. Lucas Ersig has heated up here recently, batting average up over 230 now, hit his sixth home run of the season in the second game of that doubleheader. Trey Shupak also made his second start as a member of the Mudcats, remember he was called up when Corbin Burns was promoted to Biloxi. And Trey, with a good performance, his second start, much better than his first start, went five innings, did not give up a hit through the first four innings, ended up giving up a couple of runs, but taking the win all the same was Shupak. And the Class A Wisconsin Timber Rattlers in that Midwest League, sitting at 24-30, and 30, they've come across a tough stretch here recently. It's a very young baseball team, and they sit in fifth in the Western Division of the Midwest League. Going back to Carolina for a moment, they are now knocking on the door of the top spot in that Southern Division of the Carolina League. They currently sit in second, just behind the Myrtle Beach Pelicans. And getting closer and closer to the Helena Brewers starting up in the Pioneer League, they'll be getting their season going on June 19th, and the Arizona Brewers will get their season started on June 24th. So the minor leagues starting to look very full as the other teams the rookie ball teams get ready to get things going as well. I told you I had a chance to talk to Lucas Ersig today before the doubleheader, and he went out and, and really performed. The Mudcats faced Carlos Rodon, the Chicago White Sox lefty who was on a rehab start in game one of that doubleheader, and Ersig didn't seem impressed as he doubled off the wall against him in his first at-bat 
of the doubleheader. Then he homers in the second game of the doubleheader. I had a chance to talk to Ursig about some of his struggles to begin his high A adventure and what he's doing now that has helped him start to settle in. Lane Grindle in North Carolina, joined by Carolina Mudcats third baseman Lucas Ursig. Your first crack at advanced A this year after last year's splitting time between rookie Helena and Class A Wisconsin. What, what have you learned about your game and about your approach at the plate over the first couple of months of this season? Um, I learned a lot, definitely. I, I think I, I've learned more about my, my, uh, my process and my routine, getting ready to go out there every day and you know, play as hard as I can. And that means both physically and mentally. Um, you know, for the first, I guess, first half of the season, I've, I haven't been doing as well as I, sh- you know, I think I sh- should be. But, um, you know, it, it all comes back to, you know, how confident you are in what you think. Um, you know, I heard Brett Phillips, when he got called up, he said it's all about confidence. And, you know, I, I took that to heart. It, he's, he's a really confident dude, and he plays hard, and he plays well. So uh, that's somebody to look, look to. Um, yeah, but for the most part, uh, just going back to the, the simplicity of hitting and just trying to see the ball as hard or as, as much as I can, um, I kind of thought about, you know, what I was doing in spring training, and it was exactly that. Um, just going out there and competing and having fun doing it. You are a really cerebral player. You spend a lot of time thinking about baseball, going through things. Uh, everybody that I've talked to in the organization talks about how hard you work. Does that make it tougher when you don't maybe see the results that you want because you are a real hands-on guy with your with, with the way you approach the game on a daily basis? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, especially when, you know, somebody – or not somebody, but when I – haven't really experienced the struggle as I am right now. Um, it's hard to really, you know, connect the two and be be adamant and, and confident and trusting in that process. But um, you know, I'm starting to realize now that you know there's still we still have probably about 85 games left, something like that. So I'm really looking forward to those and looking forward to my next at bat and the bat after instead of just like worrying about what I'm hitting and how many RBIs I have. That's I mean uh, those are those are results uh, that come from the process, but if you if you can't really trust in that process, it's not it's not gonna it's not gonna get better. Lucas Ursig is our guest. Lucas, you had a big spring training. You you drew a lot of attention with the way that you played when you came over into big league camp um, over the course of that month and a half. What did you learn about yourself through that experience? And now, even a couple of months removed from it, when you look back on it, what did that tell you about yourself as a player? Um, I mean, it, it showed me that, you know, I have the capability of going out there and really doing a good job playing and, uh, having fun. And, uh, I feel like I kind of shot away from that worrying about the numbers and not really trusting in the process. Like I, like I keep saying, but, um, just, just being able to, to take everything in for what it's worth and, uh, not take, not take anything for granted is the uh, most important part of um, you know this this career and um, I think that's I think it's the most important part of being a, a successful baseball player. You pulled off a hidden ball trick earlier this year. What what goes into that? And I know that's that's something that you have in your arsenal. I talked to other people that I think Matt Erickson and Appleton told me that you told him when you showed up last year. I I can do the hidden ball trick. How often have you ever pulled that off before you did this year? Uh, I want to say I did it a couple maybe maybe. Three or four times, maybe I don't know. I, I can't remember, but maybe four or five times in college, and then um, uh, I almost pulled it off last year. But I guess 
the home plate umpire, or I don't know if it was the home plate umpire or Max McDowell going out to the mound to talk to the pitcher, or just the home plate umpire calling time. Um, whether or not they were aware that I had the ball at the time, um, it kind of you know messed everything up. But I did. As soon as they called time, I tagged the runner, and then they called him. They ended up calling him safe. But yeah, there's there's a lot of preparation that goes into it. You have to make sure you know the 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 team, the other team. His dugout isn't really paying attention, making sure the pitcher on the mound knows that he, you know, can't be within a stride of the rubber, um, making sure the umpires are aware, making sure the third base coach isn't paying attention, making sure the runner at third isn't paying attention. Um, yeah, I got, a, I got a couple more tricks up my sleeve that uh, hopefully will come out soon, but... Yeah. yeah, there's a lot that goes into that because there are certain rules that apply to it. It's, I mean, the, the pitcher can't be standing on the rubber. There's a lot of things that, that you can't do if, right. if you're going to pull it off right. legally, right? Yeah, and I mean, in that, in that game where I did pull it off, it was 2-0 with runners on second and third. Now, if Wilder Rodriguez would have stepped on that mound, it would have been a balk letting that run score and having that run or that runner from second move to third with one out. But thankfully he didn't. Um, I wasn't really sure. I was kind of peeking out of the corner of my eye to make sure he wasn't going to be on the mound because I would have just, you know, thrown the ball right at him. But uh, yeah, he did a good job of, um, you know, selling it. And um, yeah, that was that was a pretty cool play. I, I it was funny because I woke up the next morning and I'm not a big social media guy, um, but you know, I woke up and had 900 retweets on that video, and I'm like, what? <laughs> I've never experienced something like that. That was pretty cool. So, Lucas, this team is chock full of prospects. Bunch of guys in this system that are a big part of the Brewers' future. What is that like for all of you guys to be kind of going through this together? And and hopefully you all will be kind of going up through the system together also. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know we push each other hard, and uh, I think that's why we're so good, and why us as individuals are so good is because we're able to, you know, put our skill level aside and make sure that every one of our guys in the dugout is competing at the highest level and doing as much as they can to get better every day and it and it kind of just it unifies itself in like kind of a circle that you know if I push you and he pushes him and that kid pushes me back and then it you know we keep pushing each other to get better and better and it's 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 a fun experience to go through well, we appreciate it. Thanks so much for giving us some time. No problem. No problem. Thank you. Here's what's on tap. Brewers getting back home for a weekend series Friday, June 16th at 710 start. Free shirt Friday against the Padres. First 20,000 fans receive a free short sleeve Brewers t-shirt courtesy of Hubie and Abraham. T-shirt designed by a Brewers fan. The winning design was voted on by Brewers fans. Saturday the 17th, a 310 start post-game concert by multi-platinum. Christian band Mercy Me as a part of Faith Day presented by Thrivent Financial. And then on Sunday, June 18th at 110, it's Father's Day. Brewers golf umbrella, first 20,000 fans courtesy of Palermo's Frozen Pizza. Kids eat free Sunday. All kids 14 and under get a free lunch featuring a hot dog, bottled water, applesauce, and an ice cream treat. And then the Brewers versus the Pirates coming up on the back part of that homestand. Monday the 19th, Eric Thames Revere the Beard t-shirt. You're going to want to get your hands on that. And a pack at the park coming up on that Wednesday during that series as well. So a bunch of cool stuff going on in the upcoming homestand. Call 414-902-4000 or visit brewers.com for tickets.
All right, that's going to do it for us in this week's edition of Brewers on Tap. Thank you for listening to us all the way here in North Carolina, embedded with the Carolina Mudcats. We'll have plenty more from our visit out here coming up in the next couple of weeks as we continue with Brewers on Tap. This has been episode number 85. We'll talk to you again next week from St. Louis. I'm Lane Grindle. Have a good one, everybody.